Amen. Welcome to Connect Church here this morning. We're so honored to have you guys with us. My name is Terry Pierce. I had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here for the last 20 years. And uh, this is the third time I've done this this morning, so maybe I'll get it right. Uh, we're so glad that you guys are here this morning, and uh, we want to welcome you to our church service. You realize that people all over the world are gathering on this Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, they're celebrating the fact that 2,000 years ago, the tomb was empty on this Easter Sunday morning. I've got even better news for y'all this morning. The tomb is still empty. Somebody say amen. He is alive, and he's here this morning to bless you guys and to pour into you all. Uh, so, uh, man, and we're sort of want to welcome you today. Well, you realize that there was another side of the story 2,000 years ago, and there was a group of people that was gathered after the, re after the death of Jesus Christ. And they came to that tomb 2,000 years ago, Ernie, and they did not have any anticipation. They were not one bit excited because they really thought it was over. It was done. The demise of the Messiah had come about. He was dead. He was placed in a tomb. And so these people had lost hope. Everything was ended. And the truth of the matter is, is that we still today love a great underdog story. We love the underdog. We love the comeback story. We love that story that where you just didn't think there was any chance, and they come back. We all love that in the movies. We all love that in sports. Uh, matter of fact, about a year ago this time, about a month from now, a year ago, uh, all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. All you all on social media, or at least half of you, half of you left Tupelo, and I'm like, what the crap's going on? And all of a sudden, half of you all were moving to Omaha, and you were headed out west, because despite what all the media said, the dogs were in the championship. And despite what everybody else said, y'all had never won anything. You were believing uh, that, man, this time is going to be our time, and we're going to win. Trust me, the folks in Oxford and the other half of the crowd, they didn't believe it either. Uh, but the truth is, you guys were ready to come back, and you believed in this comeback that when nobody else said it could be done. Now, that was a great moment for you uh, state fans. But the greatest comeback in sports history happened on January the 3rd, 1993. The Buffalo Bills were playing the Houston Oilers. Now, for those of you that are younger, you all think that Nashville Titans have been around a lot while. When you hear this story, y'all going to want to know why you haven't ever won a Super Bowl, okay? Uh, so the Houston Oilers would move to Nashville a few years later. But in 1993, the Houston Oilers were ahead of the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. 35 to 3. And in the second half, the commentators, NBC Sports, went home. John Madden retired. It was like there is no reason to even call this game. It is over because the Buffalo Bills superstar Hall of Fame quarterback uh, Jim Kelly had got hurt. And so they called in a guy by the name that you've never heard of. Nobody had ever heard of him before. They ain't never heard of him since because he never did anything before. Ain't never done anything since. They called in Frank Wright. And even the Buffalo fans go home. 35 to 3 in the second half. 
This guy comes out of nowhere, throws four touchdown passes, three of them to Andre Reed. They come back, 32-point deficit, tie the game, send it into overtime, and their field goal kicker, kicker Steve Christie, kicks a 32, just enough to rub it in his face, kicks, Russ, a 32-yard field goal uh, to say, we just came back to win the game, and thus, you know why? The Titans have never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm just telling the greatest comeback in NFL history. Now, that's a cool story, bro, if you're a sports fan. But what about you artistic members of our congregation today? Those of you that could care less about football or any other sport, uh, I got to thinking. And it's always dangerously when the preacher gets to thinking. Amen. Go ahead and say it in our crowd. But be nice because we got a lot of guests. And so uh, uh, they think I'm smart. And so anyway, uh, so <laughs> I know they don't. But anyway, so I got to thinking. What would it be like for those of you that are more artistic if we brought back some old TV shows? Are you with me this morning? Wouldn't it be good? So what if we brought back some old TV shows, and I'm going to start with my generation and then work up to my kids' generation. And so here's what I want to start with. <laughs> if you're my age or older, you remember Batman and Robin? This is all those of you that are in this group, you're all like, who in the world is that fruity-looking thing? I'm just telling you, believe it or not, this was a, a, a TV show. And now here's the thing. Uh, if you guys want to, don't do this now, but Google this later. If you ever want to watch just really high-quality television, they would literally put the captions. Remember the TV show? They put the captions. Boom. Pow. Ow! Uh, they would be up on the screen. Y'all remember? And we watched it. We were stupid. Uh, and anyway, and so uh, what if they brought that back? Y'all would be dying for those of your generation. But what about this one? The greatest theme song of all time to any television show. Moving on up to the east side. Gonna get us something in the sky. Anyway, uh, so uh, I don't sing for a living, obviously. I probably won't be preaching after that. But anyway, uh, the truth of the matter is, greatest theme song back in the day. We need to bring that back. And then uh, for a little bit younger audience this morning, you remember this dude? Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, I tend to be a little bit of a pessimistic person. And so he, when I brought this up, I thought about this. Here's what I was thinking. I wonder what this guy's at now. And, and you know what my thought was? He's probably in jail for, like, abusing animals. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I know, that's terrible. I know, that's so negative. But anyway, that's me. Uh, but anyway, and then this is one I can't stand, but this is with my kids. This is my kids. And so as a parent with three sort of adult children uh, and, uh, and, and all that today is that I grew up, and as a parent, I still, my skin crawls, I get angry and frustrated because I can still hear my brain 27 times a day, SpongeBob SquarePants, bah, bah, bah. hated that song. And they watched it around the clock. Somebody cursed TV Land. I'm just telling you, they still play that nonsense. And they can quote every line. They come to Thanksgiving and Christmas and they quote SpongeBob. They graduated from Orville, went to college, and they quote, SpongeBob, all that money wasted. Just telling you, don't bring it back. But now, hang on, hang on. We in Mississippi. I know where I'm at. So if we could bring one show that would bring us all together, what would it be? 
Amen, yeah. So we'd all agree. Uh, so we could bring one show back. Now let's just be honest with you. By the way, I had to really search hard, Nina, uh, to find a picture that was appropriate for the screen. <laughs> so some of you that watched it back in the day, you understand. So anyway, uh, here's the thing. Is Let's just be honest, guys. How many of you fellas, Stanley, when you went on that first date, that you went to let her open the car door for her, and so you wanted to impress her like Bo and Luke, and you jumped across the hood of your car. Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you ran across the hood of your car, slid over there to open that door like Bo and Luke do? Y'all being, I know y'all did, uh, so I did too. <laughs> now, I grew up country and poor, and I had my mom and dad's car. And it was a ride, fellas. 1983 Chevette. That thing was about this big. And if it was going down a hill and just me and Belen were in the car, we might hit 45. And so Belen and I are high school sweethearts, my wife today. We go on our first date, 1983 Chevette. Bobby, I'm going to Bo and Luke Duke it. So... I go to jump on the hood of the car and slide across to let Melanie in. I jumped over the whole car, missed it, <laughs> landed, and fell and broke my leg. But anyway, just kidding. But uh, hey, she fell for me. Uh, still, Anyway, so uh, we think about all of these comeback stories, and I sort of want to set all that up because I want you guys to be thinking and remember about comebacks, and, and, and we're going to talk about the greatest comeback in the history of the world. And, and in all seriousness this morning, I want to get your mind and attention, and I know, man, you guys are here, and, and you know, you're ready to go because now you're going to be the last ones in line, all the food's going to be ate. But anyway, uh, I want you guys to be energized and thinking about greatest comebacks. And so, um, but let's make it personal this morning because this is what this is about. Jesus cares about you. And so uh, last year, was the most difficult year physically of my life. In February, I would have a heart ablation surgery. They would rush me in, and all of a sudden, I was uh, in AFib and, and shock and, and all that stuff, and I would do the surgery. It was crazy. In uh, May, uh, I would herniate a couple of discs, and I would go for weeks on end without being able to find any pain medicine that would actually work and give me relief. And finally, uh, they put me off, and uh, you know how medical stuff is, and I wound up having uh, a spinal fusion surgery in August where they would literally take metal plates and screws into my spine and sort of put me back together. And then in November, right in in front of my house almost, I would be in a near-fatal car wreck where a truck would go through my car and my driver's side door at 70 miles an hour, and I shouldn't be here today. And one of my good friends in the church took me out after the car wreck, and he said, Brother Terry, I said, I love you, dude, but he said, um, he said, you realize the devil's trying to kill you. And I go, dang it, I think you're right. <laughs> Been a tough year. And he said, um, and only his words, what Jonathan said, he said, uh, you realize that you're, you remember Michael Myers in the Halloween movies? He said, you just won't die. Uh, he said, you just keep coming back. I was like, his way of telling me, you know, that he cared. But anyway, uh, I was like, thanks, dude. Uh, but, uh, and, and so it was a physical year for me. But some of you have been through much worse. And as we talk about this story of the greatest comeback, you're here this morning. And the truth is, some of you all have been through a living hell. 
way worse than my physical stuff. Your marriage has been on the rocks. You've got kids that are no longer doing what they ought to be doing. You're frustrated. You've got broken relationships. Some of you have lost your jobs. Your dreams and expectations of what you thought would happen have just been smashed to smithereens. Some of you are dealing with depression, addiction, whatever is happening in your life. The truth is, this morning, you need a comeback. You need for God to bring you back from where you're at into a better place. And I'm telling you this morning, God wants to do that very thing. He has a message and he has a word about how he can bring your life back no matter where you come from this morning. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I want to preach on today. Will you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John? We're going to look at two distinct chapters in John 19 and John 20. So go ahead and turn your Bibles there. And as we unpack these verses for you guys today, what we want you to know uh, is that if you, listen, if you don't have a Bible, uh, don't worry about it. We're going to have the words up on the screen here at Connect Church. Man, we love everybody here. You're cool. You're good. And we're going to have the Bible on the screen for you guys here in just a second, so don't worry about it. After three years of earthly ministry, Jesus was arrested for claims of being the Son of God. All he had done was preach the Father's message, healed people, and three groups of people wanted to kill Jesus. And they're still represented today. So get this. Three groups of people wanted to kill Jesus, Mark. The first group of people was the religious community, the Pharisees. They wanted to kill Jesus because they believed that he was ruining their traditions. Think about it. They wanted to kill Jesus because he was ruining, Miss Deb, their religious traditions. A second group of people that wanted to kill Jesus was the Roman government. Because of his popularity, they thought he was going to screw up their leadership and their government. He was going to overthrow them. So the Roman government wanted Jesus dead. And a third group that wanted Jesus dead was none other than Satan's. And all of the demons, Jason, uh, they wanted to kill Jesus because they, unlike the rest of us, knew he really is the Son of God. He really can change our destiny and cast us into hell. Kill him. And so these three groups of people were set out to kill Jesus, and they did. And so in that dark hour, and that horrible place. Jesus was nailed to a wooden cross. He was lifted up between two thieves, one on the right and one on his left. His body was bloody. It was naked and in utter shame. Jesus said these words. And after this, Jesus, knowing that it was all now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so that a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, and here's what I want you to circle, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now I want you to get your notes out this morning because we're going to dive right into the text today and we're going to help you guys make this personal this morning. We want you to make this comeback story personal in your life. Number one, it's not over, it has just begun. Principle number one that we're going to learn from the text today 
is it's not over, it has just begun. The first step in you and I having a comeback in our lives is when we realize it's not over until Jesus says it's over. The Roman soldiers come to verify that Jesus was dead. And you need to know this this morning for historical purposes that Jesus was literally dead. The Roman soldiers would break uh, somebody's legs that was on the cross because they didn't want to, they couldn't have them there past the Passover, so they had to get their, their, them dead. And so they would break the legs of those that were just about to pass away. And they come to Jesus and they don't break his legs because they stick a spear in his side, out comes water. And it was written for you and I to know Jesus was literally dead. But before he passed, he said these words, it is finished. We got him up on the screen one more time. It is finished. And he bowed his head. And so we realize, now here's the interesting thing about that phrase. I don't know how I missed this, but in that phrase, when you go back to the original Greek language, and, we, and we've all heard that, we, we got songs about this, but what it really means, and you realize the Bible was written in the Greek language, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he used John to tell us the story. And so when John was telling the story in the original language, it really has a deeper connotation than it is finished. And if we were to translate it literally, it means this, Jonathan, it was accomplished. What Jesus is making the statement on the cross is he is saying, and so you've got to ask the question, what did Jesus mean by it is accomplished? Well, you go back a few chapters to John 17, and you remember in John 17, Jesus is praying, Father, this is too big for me. Jesus would pray the same prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane for the first time in eternity. Jesus is being asked by the Father to separate himself from the Holy Spirit and the Father. They've been in existence together for all of eternity. But because Jesus has taken your sins and my sins upon him, for the first time, he's going to be out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit and the Father. And he goes, I can't do this. This is too big for me. But he says, Father, help me do your mission. And then Jesus says on the cross, it is accomplished. I have done what the Father has asked me to do. Your salvation and mine has been accomplished in one. And I love what Dr. Barry, Gary Burge, a New Testament scholar, says about this statement. He is not a victim, but he is a servant doing God's bidding. This is not a story of desolation, like it's finally over, but it's an announcement of triumph. We have won the victory, Jesus was saying. It's accomplished what you called us to do, to come back and defeat the devil once and for all. We've come back from that. In a no-win situation, the devil thought I was going to be dead. No, no, no. We have accomplished this. And this is what Jesus accomplished for you and I. Is He says, I want you to get this down. I am once and for all redeeming you from your sins. But you see, the devil lies to you today. Now hear me, many of you all are still struggling with guilt. And if you've never been saved, that's a good thing. Because your guilt causes you to run to Jesus and say, I'm sick of living this way. I'm tired of not sleeping. I'm tired of trying everything else that this world has to offer, and yet I still don't find any peace. There's only peace in one who can forgive you of your past. But know this. It's settled. 
why do you in the church keep living like the guilt from your past, from what you did last night, from where you were at last week, from what you did 10 years ago, what happened to you because whatever happened to you when you were growing up, why are you not letting this go? You see, it is accomplished. The Father's salvation has come and done for us once and for all. If you go to a, a Catholic church mass today, and I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just telling you the difference. In a Catholic church mass today on Easter, people all over the world are taking the cup and the bread, and what the church teaches the Catholic community is that that literal bread and that cup actually become the body and blood of Jesus, and every week you've got to come back. And every week you need to have the body and the blood of Jesus sacrificed again and again and again because of your sins. In other words, you need to be good. You need to be good, and you've got to come back to church to have the good outweigh the bad. That's not how it works. I'm telling you, you can never be good enough to earn your salvation. Jesus has paid the debt once and for all. It's settled. It's over. Jesus has finished it. It's accomplished. It's not about you. It's not about me. Jesus has paid it all. Now here's what we believe. We can only trust and the grace of God to save us. We can only believe in his promise of salvation, and we can only place our faith in his son who was sent to purchase our redemption. You see, it is settled. The problem with you and I is we quit. We, we don't get this down. Y'all keep thinking, I gotta come to church next week because I gotta, you know, come and ask for, you need to understand the power that God has given you in salvation is to set you free. You don't earn it. You don't be good enough. You don't dress up and come and impress me. Jesus has already paid the price. You fight the devil from victory. You fight the devil from the victory that Jesus won because of the empty tomb. And you all don't think that way, and you still don't get it. So can I illustrate it for you guys this morning in Mississippi terms? Can I help you guys get this down about the victory that we're fighting from? Do we have any wrestling fans in the audience? We're in Mississippi. All right, go ahead and raise your hand. You all are a bunch of liars. Uh, I know uh, you all love to watch wrestling because we don't call it wrestling in Mississippi. We call it wrestling. And I get it, because now that I live here and stuff for all these years, uh, man, I get, I get confused. People come up to me all the time thinking I'm one of these guys. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people come up to me in the mall, you know, around town, Chick-fil-A. Dude, are you the rock? <laughs> man, you were great in that movie with, you know, Jumanji. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. Dude, in the airport. Um, man, I swear, you're Stone Cold Austin's in the airport. <laughs> anyway, it's really never happened, but, you know, you can, everybody has their dreams. <laughs> but you know, here's the thing about wrestling. You realize, and I'm not going to, don't walk out on me. Oh, you bunch of rednecks. Because y'all fixing to get upset. But wrestling, it ain't real. <laughs> what? We ain't going back to that church. They ain't a Bible-believing church. 
It ain't real. It's already been determined who wins. When they start the show, they've already decided who's going to win. So whatever wrestler that you want, it's already predetermined. They can jump on his neck. They can jump off the high rope. They can hit him with a table and a chair. It don't matter because they've already decided who's going to win that one. He goes, hit me because I'm going to get the belt. And I'm going to wear it because I already knew who won. I'm telling you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, you all keep living like you're losers. You keep living like, oh, the devil's wearing me out. I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. I can't ever get past this. Stop it. I'm telling you, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. Now start living the victory that Christ has given you because of the power of the resurrection. Whoa. I'm telling you, I'd yell, but I ain't got no more yell. You do this three times. So here is we want you to understand this morning. When Jesus says it is finished, your salvation has been accomplished. It has nothing to do with you and I. It's all on Jesus, which leads us to the second principle this morning. The resurrection is the beginning of a holy comeback. And I love this. Write this down. The resurrection is the beginning of a holy comeback. When Jesus was crucified, his body was laid in a tomb. And the day after, Mary Magdalene would, uh, would come, and she would try to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And as she came to prepare his body, the ground, and before that, the earth would shake, and there was a giant earthquake, and Jesus would come out of the tomb. And may I say to you and I, my brothers and sisters, since that day 2,000 years ago, when the ground shook and Jesus came out of the tomb, there's been an aftershock that's been waving through this world for 2,000 years. And this morning, the aftershock is in the building, the aftershock is in the house, and the reason you and I are saved today is because of the aftershock that the tomb is empty. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you. So here's Mary's story. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stepped, she stooped to look, in, look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body Jesus had lain, one at the head of the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they've laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Now look at me this morning real quick. You realize that some of you all, Jesus is here today. Jesus is using other people. Jesus is here trying to pour into your all's lives. The question is, are you recognizing him? Mary didn't. Mary was too consumed with her doubts and disbelief over the pain of what was happening in her circumstances that she didn't even recognize when Jesus was alive. How many of us are screwing up our lives and missing out when Jesus is standing right before us, offering to help us? Isn't that good? And then he said, and then I noticed what she says, and he, Jesus asked her the question, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Jesus is really good at asking us tough questions. Can I ask you the same question this morning? What are y'all looking for? What are you really looking for in your life? Y'all keep trying everything else. I want to be as successful in my career. I want to have the perfect family. I want to have this. I want to have that. How's it working for you? 
How's it going for you? How's your dream life coming together? I'm telling you, Jesus is asking you the same question this morning. What are you really looking for? And she said, basically, I've come to find Jesus. And she still didn't know who it was. But notice verse 16. And Jesus said unto her, Mary, and she turned to him and said in Aramaic, Roboni, which means teacher. For the first time, Chris, she realized that Jesus was who he said he was. Ladies and gentlemen, the person and the thing you've been looking for your whole life, his name is Jesus. He is alive, and he is the answer that you guys have been looking for. I'm just telling you this morning, the resurrection is the beginning of your holy comeback. And against all odds, they found that the tomb was empty. Jesus has redeemed us, and he's given us the opportunity to come back. But you know, we're so much people of doubt you know, the Buffalo Bill fans were screaming that day, it's over with. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. Mississippi State fans were going nuts in Omaha. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. They were, man, we're going to actually win a championship. All of these things happen in our lives, and we're like, we miss them. And God is saying to you and I, I want you to look. And it's just this simple. Folks, the tomb was empty 2,000 years ago. It's still empty today. And Jesus is the beginning of you making a comeback this morning. He's alive, but we miss it. It's that simple and that easy. Can I illustrate it to you in this way? Paul Harvey tells a story of a little boy named Philip. And Philip was diagnosed um, with a learning disability and later on would have a, a cancer that would come into his body. And Philip struggled socially with the other kids. His parents took him to Sunday school on an Easter one day and the other kids, you know how, eight, and he was in the eight-year-old Sunday school class. And you know how eight-year-olds can be, all you teachers. And they were rude to Philip. He had a learning disability, and they treated him as an outcast. And Philip was just sort of left off by, side, by the side. So the teacher says, I want everybody, we're going to go outside today on this Easter Sunday. And he's going to take an empty egg. And he said, we're going to go outside. And I want you to find something outdoors that represents the resurrection to you, the newness. And he said, you go find something and put inside your empty Easter egg. And in those days, this is an old story. And so all of us older crowd will remember back in the day, you remember when uh, women used to get their pantyhose in an egg? <laughs> so all of those that are under 40 are going, dude, you're creeping me out right now. But anyway, don't ask me how I knew that. I don't know. And it just gets really weird. But anyway, uh, but back in the day, uh, women's pantyhose came in. And so they, they didn't, you know, they, that's what he gave the kids was these empty eggs. And so they go out and the kids gather and they put grass in some of them and they put flowers in some of them and one kid overachiever hate these kids uh put a caught a butterfly and put in you know the eggshell and brings it brings it back in and so anyway so they got all of this they put it on the table and they're celebrating all the stuff and flowers and butterflies and all this stuff and then they come across an empty egg and you know what eight-year-old kids do who's a loser they didn't go and follow the assignment, and you know, one of you all are that kid. They didn't do what the teacher said, because you guys are the perfect rule people. And they kept asking, who's the kid that didn't do it right? And finally, Philip gets mad and frustrated, Miss Marie. And he goes, it was me. And they said, you didn't follow the rules, you're supposed to put something in the egg. Philip gets even more frustrated, Rebecca, and he shouts out. He goes, my egg is empty. 
because the tomb was empty. And all the other kids got it. And by the way, Philip would die a couple of months later from his cancer. And all of those little kids would take empty eggs and they would put it in his casket because they got the message. Everything changes because the tomb is empty. It's that simple. It's that helpful in your life, in mine, to realize that just what Jesus was saying, resurrection is the beginning of a holy comeback. Jesus is alive. And here's what the three things that change your life and mine that Philip got, and I want you to get today. Number one, the beginning of a beautiful relationship is the promise of an inheritance. We have a godly, this, in our church this past year, four of our godly men in our church have passed away. And we have four widows on this Resurrection Sunday, and we got many of the rest of you that have lost loved ones and family and friends, and I get that. But four guys that were really close to me in my heart and my life this past year here at Connect Church have passed away, three of them deacons. And this morning, my message, as I thought about this and this whole thought of the promise of an inheritance, and I miss having David be in the audience this morning. It's my first Easter without the chairman of my board here in the audience today. And I miss Bob, and I miss the other Bob, and I miss Tom not being here because these guys were always here. And on Easter especially, they came alongside him and they said, we know you're going to kill yourself preaching three times a day. And it's like, man, you're, you're like you know, a kid on, you know, with candy, man. But, but, but I'm telling you, they got, we got your back. We're praying for you. And, and I got to thinking this morning, but they're not here today. And then I was wrong. Because guess what? They are more alive than they've ever been before. And guess what? They're in heaven this morning. Mr. Tom is in heaven this morning. And they're cheering a bald-headed preacher in Tupelo, Mississippi. And keep telling them, you keep telling them, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Because he is. Folks, don't give up. The resurrection is just the beginning of an inheritance that every one of us are promised because of Jesus. The promise of love. Some of you have had an earthly father who really sucked, who really did a poor job. You need to know this morning, you have a perfect father in heaven who is alive. He loves you. And maybe you had to perform for your dad. Maybe he wasn't always there for you. But listen to me this morning. You have a perfect father who loves you unconditionally, who never gives up on you, and you don't have to perform for him. He loves you as you are. He loves you and wants a relationship with you as you are. And we have that promise because the tomb is empty. This is the resurrection comeback. It is time you let go of your past and you fall in love with the one who has always loved you. And finally, the promise of acceptance. I love that part of the verse where Mary, when Jesus says to her and calls her by name, and she realizes that Jesus, even though she had doubted that he would come back from the dead, She's there to bury him. Jesus says, Mary, and she gets it. Do you know, look at me this morning, Jesus is calling you by name. 
Anybody in here ever doubted God? Anybody in here ever got mad or frustrated that things didn't turn out like you wanted them to? Do you know that Jesus is calling you by name this morning and he is saying, I still love you. He accepts you as you are. And he says, come to me and let me make you like me. Somebody say amen. All of this is the beginning of the resurrection gives us. Here's what Dr. Danny Aiken said, and I want you to write this down. We didn't become God's children because of what we did, but because of what Jesus accomplished. So our confidence in our standing before God doesn't rest in what we do, but in what Jesus has done on our behalf. I love that. That's a game changer when you all begin to live there. So this morning, we realize it's not over until Jesus says it is. The beginning of our personal comeback is because of the resurrection. And by faith, number three, and we'll be done, we have hope of a personal comeback. This is where it applies to your life and mine. The truth is, our hope is found in the fact that Jesus died for our sins, resurrected again on the third day, and so this morning, Here's what you and I want to, want to understand, and I love what happens, and I've never, ever come across, but this is my new favorite part of the Easter story. Look back with me in John 19, and it said, and he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Now, here's what, in the original Greek language this morning, here's what you need to know. In the original, and, and I, never, I don't know how I've missed this, and yes, uh, it, it means uh, that Jesus died in his spirit and that he was like giving it back up and he was saying to the Father, I'm giving you my spirit, you take care of it for these three days. But uh, I like what Dr. Gary Bird says. He says really it has a dual meaning here in the original language. And this is so cool because what Jesus was really saying is not only did, am I physically giving up my spirit, you know, he's going to die, but he's saying I'm giving up and my giving my way to the Holy Spirit to come. My spirit represents the fact that I've completed my mission. I paid the price so that you and I could be saved. But now I'm turning over the church and my people to the Holy Spirit. They're now going to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Not Jesus just walking down the street. Not Jesus just in the New Testament. Every day, every hour, every minute, including in this church, Jesus has turned our lives over to the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He is living inside of us. And he wants to set you free today. You have the Holy Spirit that brings you into a personal com a comeback. And here's what we find in the text. 1 Peter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's everything I've just said on the theology side of salvation. But here's what we've missed. Verse 5, who by God's power, that's the Holy Spirit. You all don't have to make this happen. This is the Holy Spirit living inside of us because of the resurrection. He guards our faith. He gives us our salvation. And he's going to reveal it to all of us as we listen to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So here's the, here's the thing. The question is, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your life? What we believe here at Connect Church and what we do every Sunday 
is we're going to teach you something next week and the next week and the next week about the role of the Holy Spirit helping you become a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, how to get past the hell that you faced at work this week. We're going to give you something every week, Brandon, that's going to help you get through all the stuff that you guys go through. The Holy Spirit's going to breathe new hope and new life and purpose into every day of your life, all because of the resurrection. He walks with us through this journey. And then on Sunday nights, this is all we do here at Connect Church. It's all about the Holy Spirit pouring the truth into your lives. On Sunday nights, we gather and call connect groups. And so you'll gather with 10 or 12 other people in a home, and you'll just take the sermon that day, and you guys will talk about it and apply it to your life, and you'll learn to figure out how to pray with one another and how to get help with one another and how people love on you and say, this is what I'm learning. This is where I struggled at this week. This is where I need prayer. And in connect groups, we learn how to let the Holy Spirit show us how to be like Jesus. And then to take it one step further, we have discipleship groups where just two or three people gather together every other week. They walk through the gospel of John and I've been doing it for eight years and I've never had a group that was even close to the same because the Holy Spirit takes over and says, this is what the word of God is wanting to do for you personally. Discipleship. That's what happens at Connect Church. So what does it look like? And here's what I want to wrap it up with. We have a lady in our church who gave me permission to share this story. And uh, she's a living example of the Holy Spirit transforming her life. She has been in my wife's discipleship group. Her and her husband are currently in Belinda and I's Connect group on Sunday nights. And Bonnie was asked, uh, her, her dad died last year, and it was a different crowd. And so they didn't want a preacher. Her dad... Um, was he was a biker dude he was in several biking gangs and uh so they didn't want to preach and they asked bonnie to, to just be the only speaker at the funeral crazy and so i went to support bonnie and to just let her know we're going to pray for you and i was like man you know man i can't imagine because i've never heard her speak i've heard her pray a few times in small group but bonnie preached the funeral of her dad how tough is that but she's a disciple in this church who we're pouring into. And so Belinda and I go to the funeral in this little chapel in Baldwin, and we pull up there, and there ain't no cars like Belinda and I's car. Every, everything there was a motorbike. I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, we, we were in Harley Hog Heaven, and, and I'm talking, and the dress, when we got inside there, I was way overdressed because the dress code was not a suit and tie. The dress code with this group that came for Bonnie's dad's funeral, man, it was leather and boots. And they had chains and they had a whole lot of other stuff. It was a rough crowd. And matter of fact, I sort of held on to Belen's hand and she goes, are you nervous? And I go, no, are you? Uh, but anyway, I mean, it was not a church crowd. And Bonnie gets up and, and she's preaching to this crowd. And I could not believe, and I'm just praying, Lord, help her to, you know, to get through this. And Bonnie, she would share two things. One, I want to give to you before we put it up on the screen, but in, in preparing and sharing with the message before she got to the finality, here's what she would say. She going on, and, and this is her words, this is literally from her sermon manuscript. She said, going on five years now, my husband and children have been involved in a church. Holy Spirit teaches us how to read and understand the Bible. This is a lady that sits in a chair just like you guys. This is living out the power of, 
of the resurrection. Bonnie and Brandon, a holy comeback in their story. Have no business being here any more than you and I do. God's good about bringing people back. And she would share these words at the funeral to this crowd. She said, I've learned at Connect Church how to pursue a daily walk with God. But mostly, it stresses the church does the importance of reaching the lost and telling the good news of Jesus. And I'm quoting, she said, this is a very different church. Y'all meet the preacher. It has changed the way we live. It's changed our marriage, and it's changed the way we do life in general. Now, we have a personal relationship. She's telling this crowd, we have a personal relationship with God, and I've learned how to listen to the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. And now, the Holy Spirit would speak into Bonnie's life. And right before her dad died, the Holy Spirit would tell her, I want you to go visit your dad one more time. She hadn't seen him for months. And the Holy Spirit would leave Bonnie. She had no idea that her dad was about to die. And she would get to go and tell him about Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does in your lives. The resurrection power is he leads you guys and blesses you. And now here's her final concluding words to that rough crowd at the funeral. God never stops pursuing us. If we ever find ourselves walking away from the Lord, all we have to do is turn around. He is right there, waiting with open arms, ready to love and forgive us. And all we have to do is ask. I was never so proud in all of my life to be a pastor. The greatest sermon and funeral, not by a theologian, better than any funeral I've ever preached. She said it. And this is the story of the resurrection, the greatest comeback that God can do in your heart and your life this morning. The same he did for Bonnie and Brandon, same he did for me, is God can bring you back this morning. All you have to do is believe in his name. Shall we stand? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to invite you to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe the tomb is empty. And maybe you're here this morning and right now you're praying and saying, man, I am tired of living my life without Jesus. The song that the, that the band sang earlier, Jesus Speaks, he's speaking right now. And the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart and he's saying, today's the day. Are you not sick and tired of doing it your way? Today's the day that I bring you back. The greatest comeback story can happen to you personally this morning. And all it takes is for you to do what Bonnie said, is to believe in Jesus and to run into his arms. Because he loves you and he accepts you based upon what his son has done for you today. Maybe you're here today and you're discouraged and you're a church member here at Connect Church, and for whatever reason, the devil has beaten you up, and you have forgotten how to fight from victory, and today, you're praying right now, God, I'm sick of living defeated. I'm sick of trying to accomplish everything else. Today, I get simple. I just come back to Jesus. Discipleship's where it's at. God, I want to fall in love with you. As we sing a verse of invitation, you need to come. Would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. 
we sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.